Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregson sits down for a conversation with a couple of teens from Heartlight. Heartlight is a residential counseling center started by Mark and his wife, Jan, that creates an arena of change for both teens and parents. Let's hear from a couple of Heartlight's teens today. Santana, thank you for being a part of the program. Hey, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up being sent away from home? Uh, I was court-ordered for a felony drug charge. Wow. And how'd you get involved in that? Um, It's kind of complicated. I had a prescription medication in my backpack at school, and they figured I was selling because I had an irregular amount. Wow. Wow. And so... I also had uh, tobacco and vape products in my backpack. Yeah. Yeah. So so they kind of nailed you. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so how was your response? Were things going on before that, that it was kind of spinning out of control? Um, My mom did say that they were looking at this place for Mm. time before, so definitely. For what? Six plus months. They were looking at this place before they actually sent me here. Wow. Wow. With the idea of what? Why would they want to send you away? They wanted me to change, obviously. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When you look at when you look at your life and you go, okay, this is whoever whoever Santana is, which I think is one of the coolest names of anybody that's ever been at Heartlight. Um, when you look at yourself, what do you what do you think about that needs to change? Um, definitely my attitude towards people, and that's surprising to me because you're you're one of the friendliest guys. I mean, we. We're sitting downstairs, and yeah, I mean, you're kind. You're you speak well. You you have a smile on your face just about all the time that I see you. I mean, thanks. So I mean, that's surprising to me. So a bad attitude is. I go, where does that come from? Um, it's kind of complicated, but I definitely put a mask on from my emotions. Uh, that's what my counselor at least tells me, yeah. and it's true. Um, I definitely hide a lot of things and try to act like everything's okay, but in reality, it's not okay. Okay, so, so why is it so important for everything to be okay? I Because <laughs> I think everyone else is okay, so I just want to be okay. Well, let me assure you, not everybody, no one is okay in one sense. I mean, yeah. we're okay because of who we are and where we are, but there's a part of it where I think we're human, and there's just parts of us that— will not be okay this side of heaven. I mean, the kind of yeah. thing. And so do you get down on yourself? Do you look at yourself and just beat yourself up? Do you? Uh, Most really? definitely. Most definitely. And, and that's a surprise to me. So I you, beat myself up for it constantly. So you put on a good mask. I try to. Okay, so why why would it be such a big deal to take that mask down? What are you afraid of that if you took that mask down that somebody would see? Um, I bottle things up, hmm. so I guess if I took it off, everything would go out, and I don't know what to do because and fall apart. Yeah, uh, for instance, uh, I fell apart a week ago, and I went all out and I went crazy, and it ruined my parent retreat. So, but I put it on myself, so it's my fault. 
But so when you, is it whenever you show yourself to be vulnerable or I guess genuine, then is it, it just gets scary? Yeah, really scary. Because people are going to reject you or? Um, not really that, but it's because I reject myself or my parents. I don't really, I try not to care what other people think of me, but. Wow. Yeah. But you do though. Yeah. I mean, because you put on the mask because they're the only ones that see it. You don't see the mask. Yeah. Which is interesting. They're the ones that see it. So it must mean something. So what do you think your what do you think your biggest if you had to say this is what I'm working on today, this is what I'm trying to get through, what would that be for you? Um, not letting my emotions bottle up and controlling them. So do you so you you're wanting to let those emotions out yeah. at a uh, at a rate that doesn't overwhelm somebody, like drinking from a fire hydrant or something. Definitely. Or it doesn't push them down, but just let them come out as a trickle and stuff. Yeah. Have you spent most of your life bottling all your emotions? Most definitely. Yeah, so that's a habit that you've kind of created and stuff. Yeah. Do you find that relationships that you be, have begun to form here? Yeah, a lot. Give definitely. you the opportunity to share some things in your life and it's okay? Yeah. I mean, does that help in group meetings that you go to and small group stuff and all that? Most definitely. So what's been the hardest? What's been the hardest thing about being here? Um, being away from home. That's the hardest thing. Wow. Yeah. What do you miss the most? My parents. Really? Yeah. Your parents send you here, but you miss them the most. Um. Well, I was court-ordered, quote-unquote, yeah, yeah. but... Um, they did it out of love. So So you know that your parents love you. Most definitely. And you know that you love your parents. Yeah, I never really had a problem with my parents. Hmm. I love my parents to death. Yeah. I look up to them. I mean, do they carry a high expectation level? Definitely. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think is I, I th I, part of that is good because they, they love you to death and they care for you greatly and they want great things for you. But at the same time, it sets you up for failure sometimes when you can't reach those goals. And yeah. so if I can't reach the goals, I'm going to act like I can get to the goals. Yeah, but I can't. What would it be like if you were a failure to your parents? I feel like everything would fall apart. I don't know how I would feel. You feel you, do you feel like they wouldn't love you anymore? Yeah. Re really? Kind of. It's okay, you've changed a little bit right there. It's yeah, and okay, kind of, but I mean, but is there a it part of it? It feels like it. Yeah. It definitely feels that's like That's what it. you feel and kind of internalize a little bit. Well, that's interesting. No wonder you put on a mask. Yeah. You know, you do the mask thing well, but I think underneath that mask, there's got to be that part of you that, that, I, that I would think that you can let it out and, and people are going to love you just as much. If there were parents out there that um, that had a child that was just like you, just like you, what could those parents do to make it better for their child? Just love them. <laughs> tell them that. Love them more and more. More and more. Just tell them how much you mean to them. Just hurts when you disappoint them. Yeah. Well, there's something about that disappointing thing. That is that's interesting, yeah. you know. That I would say that I go, 
you know, I've always made a comment that there's nothing you can do to make me love you more and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. And I go, I, I don't I don't want people to feel that in relationships that I have with them, that they could, that I'm going to be disappointed in them. It's funny when you said that nothing can make me love you more and nothing can make you love me yet less. Uh, when I got here, my mom sent me a letter and it, mm. she said, as Mark Gregston says... <laughs> This and because she listens to your podcast. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. She put that in the letter. So I remember that and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's something, if, if she means that and you feel differently, then, then there's a, there's a disconnect between what your mom longs for and what you're hearing. And so maybe it's helping you guys figure out what genuineness is and what authenticity is to be the real you so that she can make sure that that she's communicating what she wants you to hear, you know, that comes from her heart, I think. Yeah. So, because if you love each other, you know, love love has an amazing way of withstanding a lot of stuff, a lot of storms. And uh, I know you guys can do that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be anxious. We're going to do this again. We'll do this again in a few months. That sounds good. And see where you are then. In comparison to to this time, it'd be kind of fun to see how you've kind of blossomed a little bit and how that relationship with your family's going. Definitely. Hey, thanks for being on part of the program. Thank you. You bet. Here's the problem. Culture has changed and is dragging our teens through the mud under the banner of progress. Parents are confused about how to connect, what works and doesn't work, and how to engage a teen that seems to be coming more and more distant. This book, Tough Guys and Drama Queens, helps parents understand the nature of today's teen culture, grasp those styles that no longer work, and presents methods of practical helps for parents to restore, maintain, and grow their relationship with their teen. I wrote this book with parents of teens and preteens in mind, believing that if parents had some more parenting tools in their parenting toolbox, they would remain the mighty influence during their teens' most difficult years. Here's another neat thing. There's a curriculum series of the same title that I know can help your small group in dealing with the issues every parent faces during their child's teen years. It even comes with a participant's and a leader's guide. And you can get this book and the curriculum series at www.toughguysanddramaqueens.com. That's toughguysanddramaqueens.com. You'll love it. And your teens will love you more because you've taken the time to understand their world and how you can better help them flourish. Sarah, thanks for being on the program. Hey, tell me a little bit about how you ended up living here in East Texas at Heartlight. Um, well, at home, I got into a bad pattern of habits and started getting deeper into trouble and um, damaging my relationship with my parents and my family. And you and say bad habits of... Partying and mm. disobeying, lying to my parents yeah, about yeah, where yeah. I was going and things like that. Yeah. What do and you think was driving that? My social life and putting friends before my family and not realizing importance of family and things I had that were right in front of me that I didn't really notice wow. at the time. 
how do you think that started? I mean, when you when you think about putting friends before family, how does how does that happen? Well, I had a lot of relationships that turned out to be unhealthy that I didn't really realize were unhealthy at the time. Yeah. And it took a while for me to realize that they were unhealthy and it took a lot of time getting deeper into my problems with my family to notice how like well I was being treated and how blessed I was with the yeah. things that I have. Yeah. So so what was the crowning blow that that somebody said, "Okay, we're done. We're, this isn't working at home. We got to send you off somewhere." It was, I think it was summer was coming up and I went to a football game with some of my friends and uh, I was drinking and lied to my mom and told her I was just going to go and hang out with some friends and come back home. And she ended up getting a call from one of my friends and the paramedics. And um, I... Paramedics? Yeah. <laughs> now, how did the paramedics get involved? Um, I was drinking before the game and ended up drinking so much that I asked one of my friends to take me to the bathroom because I needed to throw up. And... It was more serious than any of us really thought, and I was having convulsions on wow. the bathroom floor. Wow. Yeah, in the football stadium, I was going to get in trouble, but the you think yeah, <laughs> but the security um, decided that it was too serious and to bring yeah. the paramedics in. So yeah. they took me on um, a stretcher out of the football stadium. I ended up having alcohol poisoning and being way over the legal limit, wow. and it really scared my mom. I came very close to dying, and she, at that point, didn't really know what else to do and didn't know what help yeah. to find or what I really needed. Did she, that did that shock you that you got to that point? I let situations affect me so much that I didn't really know how to react to hard situations, especially with friends and peer pressure and things like that. So instead of doing the right thing and asking for help and realizing that I was going through these things and I did need help, I would just mm. take the unhealthy yeah. way, the easy way out and drink instead or go party with my friends and disobey my parents because it was easier than like facing my problems. So it finally came to that blow where it's, okay, we got to do something different. Mm -hmm. You come to Heartlight. What was the biggest transition when you got here? Well, before Heartlight, I went to Open Sky, which was... Um, wilderness basically it was like some mm. type of thing that I had to do for that and um, I was there for about three or four months and I didn't do school in that time but that helped me a lot and kind of opened my eyes to what I was going through and how serious it actually was but since I did not do school while I was there um, my mom had to hire an education consultant to see mm. where I could go because no schools in Houston yeah. where I lived would accept me because i been gone from school for so long and um my mom ended up finding Heartlight on her own wow. and just decided that it was the best place for me to be and really trusted the community and the surroundings of it once she came to tour she was very happy with wow. what she saw i mean you're going through this thing your family background i mean did you grow up in the church did you did you guys go spend time together as a family did you go camping did you did you do all that stuff? I mean, it, it's like you, I don't want anybody thinking that I'm sitting across from some alcoholic. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting across from a very beautiful young lady that that I, I'm going, God, I, it's hard for me to believe that you've done this. But there's, but I mean, I don't think people realize sometimes that it's 
it's everybody out there. It's just kind of normal now. It's not, it's not as abnormal as everybody thinks. Yeah, I think that especially in our generation today, it's a lot easier for teenagers especially to get into that type of thing, like that type of stuff and not really focus on what's in front of them and rather mm. want to distract themselves to fit in or be cool with all of their friends. And I kind of just got into that as I got older mm. and became a teenager and wanted to be like my friends and be cool and kind of be in that surrounding. So my family kind of just like got left behind in a way that I didn't even really notice. And um, yeah. it used to be to where I was very close with my mom and my sister and my grandparents especially have yeah. always been by my side and been very big role models in my life. And um, I really look up to my mom and my sister especially. But it was always a big family surrounding me and supporting me and being yeah, there for me yeah. and only wanting the best for me and tried to provide me with all of the help that was possible from therapy to anything that yeah. they could provide and yeah. show me and put in front of me. But I kind of denied what they would give to me and wow. didn't think I really needed help. Well, you said to, to fit in or distract. So were you doing it to fit in or to distract you from something else? I think at first it was to fit in, but in the beginning of high school, I hung out with everyone that I hung out mm. with was older than me. And as a freshman, I was with seniors and juniors and nobody yeah. my yeah. age. And it, it eventually ended up to be me not even caring about fitting in anymore, but rather just like being scared of losing relationships with friends and wow. thinking that that was more important than my family was. Yeah. And why did it become more important? I think I was just scared of losing friends and still just wouldn't open my eyes and realize what was in front of me, what oh, I was being provided. Okay, so so do you think that a concept of friends has changed? Yeah, I think that especially when I was at home, I had mainly only he like unhealthy relationships mm. with all my friends. Yeah. And I gave away trust very easily, which ended up to be losing friendships rapidly left and right because of giving my trust away and ended up wow. being hurt and betrayed by people. And I never really realized how that affected me until I look back at it now. And I lost so many people in the process of that. Mm. But some of the people I lost weren't really worth keeping, I guess. Yeah, weren't friends anyway. Mm -hmm. And especially being at Heartlight, I think I've really learned the meaning of what true friendship is, yeah. and Heartlight really has helped me to open up to people and realize that there are people around that yeah. love and care about me from the beginning and have good intentions rather than other people. It's very hard outside of here to find the type of people that are here at Heartlight. Yeah. Okay, your grandparents. Yeah, my grandparents. How do they fit in? How do they fit in? I mean, what role have they played in your life? They've always been very supportive and involved in my life. They live about five minutes away from oh, my wow. house. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And um, I've always just been like a safe zone mm. to go and be with them and be protected by them. It's, I guess, because they've had experience in life. Yeah, they've been through the yeah. things that I'm going through right yeah. now and have been going yeah. through. And it seems like whenever I need something, they're always there. They're never leaving me and no matter what decisions I make wow. and no matter how many regrets I have, how much I've messed up, they're always the ones that are going to be standing there in the end whenever nobody else is left. 
That's an interesting description of grandparents. But I love how you say that they were a safe zone. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, look, thanks for being on the program today. I know, I, I know that there's parents out there going, okay, what's my kid doing? But I think there's grandparents out there too going, maybe I need to be that safe zone for, uh, for my grandchild. Yeah. So, cool. Thanks for being on. No problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org, heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.